Hello. Today on notes, Christy reads five notes from her phone. Christy, um, let's see, what do I say? She travels all over the world and she has a great Instagram account. Um, taking photos of places like in Japan and China, all over the US, Canada. It's pretty amazing. If you're interested in that, it's Christy.allen on Instagram. And it'll be linked in all the descriptions and such. And it was such a pleasure to talk to her. Right now, through the COVID stuff, she is, I forget where. <laughs> As you can tell, I listened a lot, but she is stranded somewhere, um, bunkering down like all of us. So, um, yeah, enjoy the episode. We talked a lot about travel and also the low-key superpowers thing is coming up a lot and it came up again today having a superpower that's you know not world changing you can't solve crime but that just helps you out in your everyday life it came up again and if you're listening to this on apple podcasts or even if you're not listening to this on apple podcasts go to apple podcasts and rate the show five stars it will really help the show out and it's free it costs nothing and i know you're not doing anything right now <laughs> number one small good thing finding typos in the new york times lee langston was a professor that I that I profiled at my university he was a like a NASA scientist who was retiring and I um did a few interviews interviews with him and got to know him a little bit so Lee Langston dressed for a reception good suit and a bright yellow NASA baseball cap next one Tupac's handwritten manifesto from jail is worth two hundred thousand dollars Alexander Hamilton's justification for establishing a central bank is worth $35,000. Next one is a quote from Elaine from Seinfeld. Uh, We shared an interpersonal experience, referring to a hookup. Um, Going from having sex once a month to once a week increases your happiness as much as having an extra $50,000, according to the Scandinavian Journal of Economics. This one is two girls in full hijab talking about how skipping prayers makes them feel guilty in the exact cadence and tone of sorority girls talking about skipping the gym. Um, The word rival comes from the Latin rivis, which means drinking from the same river. Um, A memory of a friend buying the most expensive bottle of Bordeaux in a corner store like a store that also sold like little, you know, like little bongs and like pieces of glassware. And um, I, I, I like went through the store and I, I like picked out some beer or something and I looked at the wine. And I was like, oh, that's way too expensive. And he came out of the store with like a $30 bottle of wine, but it was from a convenience store. So it was like so trash and overpriced that he was like, fuck yeah. Like we have this bottle, this bottle of Bordeaux, like it's going to be a great dinner. Like, Hell yeah, this is the right decision. And it was, like, it was it was nice. Um, my ne- next one is my family friend Angie. Um, she told me a story about a time that they got stuck in an airport overnight and her kids were so excited because because they were given, like, free toothbrushes. Um, <laughs> like, you know, a little toiletry thing courtesy of the airport. 
Um, and, you know, they were like so upset. They, their flight was canceled. They didn't have a hotel room. They have like three little children trying to sleep on like the hard floor of an airport and their kids are just hyped because they got free toothbrushes. Um, next one, next one is a quote, self-educated sex participant. Um, don't remember what that is. And the last one is getting drunk at family events versus family-oriented events. Can I ask you Yeah, about... I think that's to do with, like... What? Oh, go ahead. Um... No, 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 I... go ahead. I forget what I was going to say. Can I ask you about the the interview one with Lee Langston? Yeah. What was that? So that was um, um I forget if that was for the student newspaper or um I think it was I um one of my student jobs jobs was like doing some writing stuff for the engineering department and he was getting like a lifetime achievement award. Um, in uh, like he was, I, I think he was retiring that year or something, but he was a really fascinating guy. And, um, his lifetime achievement award was for something extremely technical to do with like the flow of gas in like gas turbine engines, which, um, like the technology that he, he worked on is it like exists in all jet engines now. Um, and is like, you know, very, very important. Um, and it was just so beyond my, like, my ability to, like, I had nowhere near the, like, the technical background to, like, even have a conversation with him. Yeah. And he was so patient and, like, he, like, you know, every time that he realized I didn't understand, he just, like, kept revising down the amount of science to, like, a grade school level to the point where I could actually understand what he was getting achievement award for and, like, was able to write a good article that was readable to lay people. And um, he was just a really fascinating guy in his, he, he was a mountain, cl mountain climber. He, he told me story like a genuine mountaineer. He'd done some first ascents of mountains in South America and one in Pakistan. Mm. Um, um, he told me this, like this story about being right at the top of a volcano and it started just like belching ash and they had to turn around and they didn't get the summit because of that. Whoa. Um, yeah, some crazy story. Um, um, he knew this like very famous mountaineer, Reinhold Mesner, that I was like really interested in when I was nineteen. I forget why. Mm -hmm. Um, and he he had another had another great story about going to like the art the Norwegian Arctic, and when you're up there, um, it's he was in the Svalbard Islands, which is the northernmost inhabited settlement in the world. And when you're up there, when you go outside, you need to carry a pistol and a rifle with you at all times. Mm -hmm. And that's because if you see a polar bear, you need to try and scare it off with the pistol. And if that doesn't work, you have to shoot it with the rifle. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Holy moly. So he was just a very interesting person. And, um, I just just someone I you know remembered having a few conversations with. Yeah. Haven't met that many um, mountain climbers and volcano climbers in my life. Yeah. Is that something you're interested in? Um, 
like theoretically yes I would absolutely love to like learn more about mountaineering and everything I'm actually going tomorrow to buy um like some avalanche gear from a guy off craigslist uh, a few hours away okay. when you're when you're skiing in a place where there's avalanche danger that you wear this um it like a like a little like radio transceiver mm-hmm. um so if you get buried someone can find you you set it to just like send signal out so if you get buried hopefully someone will turn theirs to seek and they can go find you under the snow right um like a very basic piece of avalanche safety gear and it's not it's not a thing that's really necessary on the east coast but out west there are much more many more avalanches and stuff and i have actually seen av- like i've seen small avalanches mm. um um my my brother and his girlfriend know people who've died we all wow. know people who've died now really yeah so it's it you don't you don't even need to get like you don't need to do serious mountaineering to, to to get yourself into trouble and i think just because of the level of risk even if you do everything right you can still get hurt um yeah yeah just um so there's there's the risk and then there's the cost it's a lot of it's really expensive and i think to do any like any big mountaineering trips you need porters and support and all this gear like to climb mount everest costs you know tens of thousands of dollars like i think mm-hmm. a minimum of like fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars i read a, read a really interesting article about some indian climbers who'd saved their whole lives to do it um and they were doing it like dirt cheap like as cheap as they absolutely could mm-hmm. and um they they all died because their their guides their guides were terrible and wow. pretty much abandoned them on the mountain and it was this incredible story about what went wrong for them and the whole like the Everest mountaineering tourism industry mm-hmm. and how their bodies were repatriated to their families. Really? Yeah. I've always heard that there's, is, um, they have such a hard time getting uh, people's bodies from Mount Everest. They do. Yeah. That's part of why it was, um, part of why it was such a, such an extraordinary story that they actually got all their bodies. They all summited too, and they died coming down. Yeah. Um, and one thing that I, I think one reason they were so, the families were so adamant that they had to bring their bodies back was one for religious reasons, but um, they also mentioned something about you can't claim your, you can't claim like your spouse's benefits, um, unless you can produce like a. a proper death certificate or a body or something so in order for these like lower middle class people to yeah to to get what you know to get their yeah to to get like their spousal benefits that they were entitled to they they had to have those bodies whoa yeah yeah that one stuck with me yeah and so um when you're doing this are you like adrenaline junkie isn't the word, but I don't know. Is that part of it for you? Um, so a couple of my, um, my brother and his girlfriend, they had their, they had some friends over last night and, um, I met this really nice couple who'd both had like life threatening injuries in the past year skiing. Mm -hmm. One, one of them was a girl who fell, 
fell down. Um, so, so she'd climbed up a mountain with like no ski lifts on. She climbed up a mountain to ski down and she fell like just putting her skis, skis on, not even skiing. She just slipped Mm -hmm. and fell like hundreds of feet into a rock field. Um, and she had to get like hella backed out. Um, Mm -hmm. her, you know, she almost died and her boyfriend, um, was just skiing on a mountain, like just literally just skiing, like nothing very hard or difficult or crazy. But um, he came out of his skis and actually ruptured his spleen. And I didn't really know how serious that was, but he went for three hours without them knowing what was wrong with him. And he almost bled out in that time. Like, so they, they both almost died. And like, he talked about being in the ambulance and he, he said like, he was in like he was in shock but but he knew like he knew it was very very bad Mm -hmm. and he said like you know i like i i didn't want to die but like i made peace with it and like Mm. you know i was i was okay with it um Mm. because i i don't think i would feel that way in that situation but um they both are skiing again they're both doing the same stuff that they were before their their injuries um Mm. And I, I think, you know, I, I definitely don't, I'm not in situations like that. Like I, I don't, I'm not like on that level where I'm out there, but mm-hmm. the fact that it is serious is, makes it different from everything else. I think it is something that draws people to it. Yeah. 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 Number two, low key superpowers, powers, always finding free parking. Being a human Wi-Fi hotspot, in parentheses, 100 megabytes per second. Um, always getting people to share food, alcohol, or cigarettes cigarettes with you reliably. Um, I Personally, I would most like to be a Wi-Fi hotspot. I think that would really make my life a lot simpler. <laughs> I could just be there at any time, and I would know that I would always be able to communicate with someone if I, if I was lost or in trouble. It yeah. would just really change my whole life if I would if I never had to worry about being outside of society at a party like uh what do you think the moments where some like it's like quiet and outside and someone shares a cigarette with you that's always my favorite time of the night yeah I've tried to quit smoking and I've been been like fairly successful but that's absolutely the thing I'm thing I miss the most is just being able to like change the vibe and separate for a few minutes. I don't I don't really have like a substitute for that. I don't know how to yeah. just like stand outside quietly for five minutes without it being weird. Number three, August twentieth, two thousand eighteen. Mm-hmm. Cool animals. Pangolin. Slow loris. Okapi, goblin shark, uh, in parentheses with the words look up, deep sea gigantism, which is the phenomenon of uh, sea creatures like very, very deep in the ocean being like just really, really enormous, like, you know, like normal things. I think even like the same species where you'll, you'll see a crab that's just like eight feet wide or something, Yeah, something that can't exist at the surface, but somehow can in the deep sea okay then there's a saiga antelope um a shoebill i forget what that one is 
the mannered wolf, fennec fox, Dumbo octopus, Garanuk, and a Malabar. These are really neat pictures. It's kind of hard on the podcast to explain all yeah. the, you know, all the attributes. Which one is the most vivid to you? Um, deep sea gigantism is like a pure nightmare. Um, that's truly like su- such a deep seated fear. Um, things in the ocean. I feel like the bucket list is like the most common list that I I think will pop up on this show. And one of mine is to swim with a whale. Kind of like to embrace that gigantism. What do you, what do you Mm -hmm. think of uh, like being with those? I think that that, that would be so incredible. Like to, to really feel that small is like such a, such a cool feeling. And I feel like you don't, you very rarely experience that around animals because we don't, you know, like we don't have big animals around us frequently. We have like house-sized animals around us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tiny ones. Yeah, I, I guess like what, what's the biggest animal you've ever seen? Hmm, I think probably an elephant. I don't think I've ever seen anything bigger than that on mm. land. Yeah, where was My, that? Um, Oh, this is is bad. It was like at a Renaissance fair when I was a kid. Yeah, it was it was a great day, but like they were giving rides on the elephant, and I, like I didn't ride the the elephant, but I remember looking at it and just having like just a queasy feeling. It wasn't. It it was just like it was an elephant. You know, it was like winter in Connecticut. There was no reason an elephant should be anywhere near me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel bad for him? Oh yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah. It's such a I don't know, it's like it's an icky feeling. And living in Asia, I'm like um I'm I meet lots of people who show me pictures from their trip from their trips to Thailand and they're all so hyped because they rode an elephant or pet a heavily sedated tiger or something. Right. And it it's just <sighs> yeah. And I, I don't want like I can't you know just like sit down with like every person you know I I don't want to be like what what you did was very irresponsible like mm-hmm. and it's they're not they're not gonna love their opinion opinion on like I'm sure petting like petting a tiger would be sick like that sounds great you know yeah yeah but experience yeah what do you do in those situations when like somebody clearly opens up a conversation that's either like too big or you have an opinion that's really uh strong you know when i when that happens to me sometimes i'm just like i try to say something gentle and just move on i don't don't know what to do yeah i think that's like you know part part of it like i tell myself like i'm being you know like a good citizen and not imposing my views and just like being just trying to have decent social etiquette and stuff but like yeah i think another part of it is just laziness not wanting to deal with like having a heavy conversation yeah at in a time of small talk yeah Yeah, i think usually just kind of like file that away it's like okay not going to talk about that with this person Mm. 
Have you run into a lot of when in Rome situations in China? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one one of the things about China is that it's you. There are just some things that are you. You cannot live like your normal Western life. You just need to like go along with the Chinese way of doing things. Mm. One of them is um, like just like social etiquette and like table manners are all really different. Um, if you don't like push past people in line or like push to get onto a subway or thing, you will never get there. You will never get on you mm. and you will never get to the front of the line. Um, yeah. Then there, the, so like whenever I leave, leave China and go to a different country or come back to the U S I have to remind myself, like, you need to just take it down a notch. You can't like be cutting off old lady. <laughs> you need to wait for people to come to the elevator before you try to get in. Yeah. I, I've I've never seen a group of Chinese people wait for everyone to exit the elevator. Everyone, everyone all at once. No way. And it it works because everyone, you know, like yeah. it you know. It it works because everyone does it. Yeah. You can't you can't be the fish swimming upstream. Whether you're like the pushing person in like in like a polite society, or you're the non-pushing person in a, you know, you're you're trying like be very cognizant of everyone's space in a society that is not doing that. Like it's right. it's not going to work both ways. Number four. So small annoyances. Um, edited at seven o five a.m. on. March 23rd, 2020. One, reading hardcover books because they're just, sometimes it's like kind of hard to hold them in your hand, especially if you're laying down. Like it's just just a little bit awkward, you know? Um, my docks are not really harmed, by the water, but they're not really waterproof enough to keep my feet dry and they're the only boots that I have because all my clothing is in China. Um, people who say ideas as ideas. People who take the elevator one floor, especially one floor down. People who walk into the elevator before others have had the chance to walk out. Uh, people who won't get onto an elevator that's going up and make it stop twice instead and choose instead to just stand in the hallway. I don't like, I don't know if it's really better to wait, but I, I feel like you could just get onto the elevator. It's going to take the same amount of time to travel back to you. Um, the term dog parents, life hacks, um, anyone who says according to science and internet articles with similar titles, um, everything about modern headline writing conventions, abbreviations of one syllable words, um, the fact that women are only allowed half the lifetime space flight allowed to men because of radiation. Um, people who sit on the end of a row of theater theater seats when the rest of the row is empty. Um, people who use very hiking packs as school bags. And the last one is work boots on frat bros. Um, can you tell me about the, the, the radiation one? Yeah. Um, I would, no, I'd have to like look this up again to confirm, but, but I, I, I think that it is true, mm -hmm. but, um, 
when you're so when you're outside of the atmosphere in space you're you're getting bombarded with a lot more radiation than you are typically here on earth mm-hmm. and they obviously like try, try and shield astronauts from that as best they can but it's um it it really accumulates and it you know it increases your risk for cancer and all sorts of other stuff as you get older yeah. so there's a maximum amount of there's like a, a certain number of days that you're allowed at least that NASA, I'm sure different space agencies have different policies, but NASA has a limit on the number of days you can spend in space in your life because mm-hmm. there's like an amount of radiation that they consider too high. Yeah. And for some reason, women are susceptible to the radiation or we absorb more of it or we're more affected by it. But for whatever reason, the lifetime amount of space flight that's considered safe for women is half of what it is for men. Whoa. It's just a shame. Yeah. Yeah. Half is a lot. Half is a lot, and it seems very arbitrary. Like, it doesn't seem that sciencey to me, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's one. It's too round of a number. Yeah, yeah. I Like, I assume I assume that NASA is doing science, mm-hmm. you know? I assume that they, they have a good reason to, to make that rule, but mm-hmm. it's just one of those... Like one of those little facts of life. It's pretty annoying. Mm. I just heard on a podcast when uh, planes, when they when 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 planes were like uh, people were starting to learn how to become pilots, there was a group that kind of surrounded mm-hmm. Amelia Earhart, and it was all women pilots, and they were like um, this international club like trying to support each other and teach each other things. It was really cool. I forget what the name of the club was. And they, for a long time, had to fight the idea that women should fly lighter planes and because just because they were women. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and like, I don't know. Hindsight, it's like, wow, what the heck was going on? But in, you know, I can't believe they even had to argue that for a while. Yeah. So, like, my my own own mother remembers a time when women didn't run marathons. Like, mm. I forget who this woman was, but like, she ran on um, illegally, and like, the reason it was illegal was because they didn't think women could survive a marathon, or it was mm-hmm. like it was unhealthy or unsafe woman and like that that's literally like that is my mother's youth like that's mm. i'm that's like oh, that's not far away that's just like that is the living past yeah 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 people really underestimate how recent that was yeah i, was... I wonder do you ever wonder what like which of your ideas your grandchildren are going to be like so embarrassed by because it's, it's got you know there's going to be something Oh, yeah. I yeah, I definitely I have one too. Do you have one? Oh. I'm 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 not entirely sure. Like I have what are what do you think? Um, I think there's a good chance it could be eating meat. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think, I think there's a good a possibility chance of happening. Yeah. And, or at least like industrial scale like meat as a as as something that's like completely available all the time, mm-hmm. like water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe driving cars too. Yeah, I th- I think so as well. 
I think fly, flying too. Like, like I, I definitely consume less in China, but like, I, I don't know, like with the amount of fun of flying that I've already done in my life, like mm -hmm. I've, you know, I've probably like emitted more carbon than my parents have in their whole lives. <laughs> yeah. Not, not a joke. That's just a, a real state of being that like I have to, you know, have to grapple with now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you like to travel and you're also environmentally conscious? I don't know if you can say both of those things are true. Like, like, you don't, I don't know. You don't get, you don't get to be both of those things. Number five. Cool. So it's just a, a list of like interesting specific places um, that I would hope to visit one day or just places that I am glad that I know about. Mm. Um, edited June 22nd, 2019 places. So the first one is Socotra Island, which is about 250 miles south of Yemen. And it's the most isolated continental landmass in the world. And it's it's worth Googling because all of the all of like the plant life there is so weird and alien. One third of the plant life is indigenous and totally to the island. They have these these trees that like look upside down, like it would be very, very cool. I guess the Galapagos is kind of this, but like everyone has seen lots of pictures of the Galapagos now. Like it wouldn't feel like an alien planet, but if you were walking around there, everything would just look wrong. <laughs> it looks strange, mm -hmm. which is very exciting. Um, one. Next one is the Dalton Highway in Northern Alaska, which is the longest unserviced section of road in North America. It's 240 miles long. Um, and it's just, it's a, you know, it's an important usable road, but it's just literally a sheet of sheet of ice in the winter and truck drivers drive it with insane tires and like the threat of falling through the ice. Hmm. And some. The next one is, is Molina de Aragon, which is the least populous area or least populous little region in Europe. It's, um, yeah, it's a region in like a, a state, I guess. I don't know if they call them states or provinces in Spain. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess it's like a, it's a little state in central Spain. And there's 1.63 people per square kilometer, which is lower than like the Lapland or Siberia. Hmm. And it's in the middle of Spain, <laughs> which is surprising to me. Mm -hmm. um, the next one is Taros which is the ruins of a Roman town on the east coast of Sardinia. Now, this this is a fun, this is a secret place. Um, this I did not hear about on the internet. Like an actual person from Sardinia that I worked for told me about this place. Um, there's a, a Roman town that they know is there, but they don't have the budget to excavate it right now because Italy is so full of Roman ruins that like they literally just pick and choose they what they excavate Holy um man. and this one is a town where the sea level has risen um so there's an amphitheater there but it's underwater now and you can go and like snorkel through crystal clear water ar around this roman amphitheater i i the, pe the people listening can't see but i'm aghast right now of what you just said it's not just 
like oh my god it's so phenomenal like re- i really hope to see that one day yeah. i've been to none of these places by the way um yeah you really have to keep that one a secret mm-hmm. yeah take that one out of the podcast <laughs> no what's it called um, again no i'm kidding it's called Taurus. Maybe, maybe if I'm, if enough people go there, they'll, they'll find the money to excavate it and preserve it. Hmm. Yeah, it's Taurus. T-H-A-R-R-R-O-S. And it's on the east coast of Sardinia. Oh, cool. Yeah. Was that the last one? Uh, No, there's like a literally like an absolute fuck ton more i'm, I'm just gonna oh. pick and choose <laughs> yeah 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 um um uh next one is wadi as-salam najaf iraq which is apparently the largest cemetery in the world there are five five million people buried there hmm. um yeah, and they're all like grazed gravestones and everything. I think it would be incredible to be in a place where it's just grazed gravestones as far as I can see. I mm. can't imagine that. Um, let's see. Um, next one is Havasupai Falls in Arizona, which is like very Instagram famous now, but it's um, like beautiful blue water coming through very orange rocks. And it's a 13 mile again. Um, would love to get to that one one day. The next one is Castello Samazzano, which is a, it's basically an abandoned uh, eccentric person's mansion outside of Florence, Italy. This is, this is worth a Google as well. Um, the guy who he built, he built it all himself. Um, and it's kind of picture like the kind of detail that they have in like Moroccan architecture where there's like, lots of like very fine carvings and colors mm-hmm. but then make all the colors rainbow mm. and that's that's what inside of this guy's house looks like it's castello Samazzano, and it's um it's it's abandoned it's like the absolute crown jewel of urban exploring <laughs> i'd love to get that okay yeah um Next one is Noisy Le Grand. I don't know how to, pro- how to pronounce that. Um, it's in outside of Paris, and it's a like really, really, really weird modernist 1980s public housing development. I don't know enough about architecture to tell you like what sort of school of architecture this is, but it's just got like very like giant circular structures. It's it's just bizarre, um, mm. and it it just doesn't it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Um, very strange. Next one is uh, Tiando Lake in China, which is an artificial lake by a dam. And the lake submerged a 1,300-year-old city called Xicheng. And you can actually see that. Um, it, the, the water is like very dark and murky, so it's not it's not like a great scuba dive. But you can see and scuba dive around the ruins of this ancient Chinese city, like through the little alleyways and like stone buildings and temples and whatnot. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, Chiando Lake with a Q. Another really cool thing to Google. Hmm. Um, 
let's see. The next one is Debredamo, Ethiopia. It's a 6th century Christian monastery at the top of a mountain. It, it's accessible only by climbing a cliff with a rope attached to it, and it's only open to men. Oh, shit. There's another... There's another um, another monastery like that in Turkey, or in Greece or Turkey, I forget. I think it's called like Mount Aptos or Mount Altos or something. And it's, um, you know, like there's like no woman has set foot on the island in like 2000 years or something. And they've got like, the, it's, it's actually like a significant historical site. And they've got like very interesting, just art, like very significant religious art and artifacts there. Right. What religion? Yeah. Uh, I, I believe it's like an Orthodox Christian monastery. Oh, we have another. Okay, he's not interested in me. There's someone just walking around my car. Please leave me alone. Yeah, okay. Another one. Let's sit two. I have two more. Okay. This one is the... This is so unreadable. I have no idea. Um... And I don't remember this one. The Gigantija Temples, Gozo. Um, on an island off the coast of Malta, they have temple complexes older than the pyramids. Mm-hmm. Which would be crazy. Um, those would be very old. And the last one is an abandoned San Pellegrino bottling plant north of Bergamo, Italy. What do they bottle? San Pellegrino. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, Park and water. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, so those are all places I would I would love to visit one day, but um, if I can't go there, I'm glad to know that they exist. <laughs> They're mm-hmm. truly not things that I could have thought up, my, up myself, you know, stranger than my imagination. Right. Can I armchair psychoanalyze you for a second? I feel like a lot of those yeah, places yeah. are very um, isolated. Like there's no one around. Yeah, definitely. Like when like I that? found out about the... Yeah, that I, I really... Yeah, the idea of like going to a place that requires a journey to get there or like some sort of sort of like, you know, insane you know series of events or some questy shit to get there like that that's awesome i'm very into that like when i found out about the about the orthodox monastery that's totally closed to women i was like immediately making plans in my head like how am i gonna get in there like there's gotta be a way in thanks for listening to notes once again please go to apple podcasts and rate the show five stars it's very quick and it'll help very much um also my name is vinny vinny vici okay no um uh that's pretty much it hope you enjoy see you next time goodbye every saturday morning hopefully (laughs) if i wake up on time (laughs) bye